0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Winfrey, I am your host for the show. First show proper in about a week, in a little over a week. Uh, We took last week off because not only was there no UFC event to really kind of discuss, there wasn't a whole lot of news that came out over that week either. Uh, The biggest thing that kind of came out was... Ben Askren's retirement, which we're going to get to on this show in more detail. They saved all the big news in terms of fight announcements and whatnot for this week. So that will be, we've got a lot of stuff to break down as far as that goes. We have a UFC event to talk about. Uh, good to be back. Uh, big thank you to everyone who did listen to the sort of... Uh, I hate to say just one off special because there's been some relatively positive feedback on the on the episode. But last week in lieu of this show, we I released we. Sort of we, the communal we. Released a uh I called it the I think I called it deep dive. Just terrible. I'm terrible at names. I don't know what else to tell you guys. But just a, a detailed look at kinda how Alexander Volkanovsky beat Jose Aldo when they fought what that might potentially inform about the upcoming fight between him and Max Holloway. Uh, just again, the feedback seems to have been rather positive. So if you haven't listened to that, please do so. Please give me feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. I'm, I'm. Again, I said on that show, I leave the fate of that show up to you, the audience. If you're indifferent to it, eh, those may or may, those may not be a regular feature. If you all love it, I can probably make time to make sure those become, again, a more regular thing that gets released. Alright, we are down, for the record, we are down one Jeff Harris this evening. Jeff is not feeling all that great after some holiday. Look, the holidays. Well, the holidays. Thanksgiving is over here in the United States. I know any of you Canadians had it in October. But, it's in November here, and there was just, you know, travel and family gatherings, and apparently Jeff came down with something, so... Hopefully he is back to 100% next week, and we you know, we hope he feels better. Being sick sucks. Uh, not too many other ways to phrase that. So again, it is just me this evening, and that's how we're going to go forward for this particular show. All right. First up, let's go ahead and jump into our preview. UFC on ESPN 7 will be coming our way this Saturday. They are in Washington, D.C. at the Capital One Arena. Uh... Okay, this event has suffered a lot of... setbacks. Uh... A lot. Um... We lost half of the main event, uh... We'll get into that, touch on that briefly, I suppose. This was originally supposed to be Alistair Overeem and Walt Harris. Uh, Walt had to withdraw from the event after his stepdaughter went missing, and... Of course, her body was found... Uh... This week, last week, I forget the exact. Uh, within the last, since our previous show, so again, within the last two weeks, if nothing else, uh, terrible, terrible tragedy. I will say, I really hate calling those events tragedies. I, I don't know. There's a there's an element of tragedy to me that seems like unavoidable almost. And, you know, murder is much more deliberate than sort of the, kind of like, I almost hate to say existential reality of tragedy. But there is almost a, again, kind of an unseen component to tragedy that is beyond your control. People choosing to take the life of another human being is... So much more deliberate, <clears throat> and it—it just—I don't know. It doesn't really feel like that same word should apply to both scenarios. Horrible, horrible thing. Hopefully, the people who co- there is justice for the people who committed that particular atrocity. And yeah. Anyway, Walt is had to move off the card. Stepping in in his place is Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Uh, Rosenstrike. You know what? He debuted in the UFC this year and he is poised for if he wins and that's a non-trivial if but if he wins uh, he will be 4-0 on the year 4-0 in the UFC he's undefeated overall and he would be I don't think you could list him as the breakout fighter of the year for 2018 Excuse me, 19. Sorry, my... I, uh, I'm i already starting to think backwards as 2000... I'm already starting to, you know, subtract a year from everything because we're getting towards the end of the year. So I am working on compiling some of my year-end lists, uh, which will be just released on 411 Mania. And... Sorry. Apologies. Anyway. I, I don't think you can give him the breakout spot because that's, at the moment, kind of reserved for one person in particular. But if he goes 4-0 in 2019, he's finished all of his opponents to date. So if he beats Alistair Overeem, and, you know, let's assume a finish, just for the sake of argument, he will have finished Junior Albini, Alan Crowder, Andre Orlovsky, and Alistair Overeem in the same calendar year. You know, again, I'm not saying, you know, Best debut year ever, but that is an ex—that is a darn good year. Now again, he still got to get over <laughs> Alistair over him, which is not at all an easy thing to do. Over him's won his last two fights. Uh, his only losses recently—I mean, he lost the title fight with Stepe. Rebounded, beat Mark Hunt, beat Fabrizio Verdum, lost to Nganu, Who lost to Blades? Won his last two. He's still kind of loosely in the title orbit. But he's also again kind of winding down. And you know, in all fairness, the man has over 60 MMA fights. To say nothing of his kickbox of his you know kickboxing record. Uh, the man's. Yeah, been fighting for a long time he debuted professionally in 1999 jeez that's a long time ago i hate thinking that's a long time ago because i was alive in 99 you know but yeah oh long time and anyway so it's a really really good main event uh I don't know where I'm leaning, actually, because—and I say this just because—Overeem is—it's uh, so bizarre. Because if Overeem respects your striking but isn't afraid of it, he'll fight you like a good kickboxer should. You know, look at his fight with Mark Hunt. If he is afraid of your striking, he really avoids engaging, and even if he Isn't afraid of it, he occasionally has bouts of just bizarre technical decision making, like the Nganu fight, where Overeem came into that fight and proceeded to have just the flappiest arms in combination that he throws in a while, and that's kind of what led to Nganu knocking his head into the third row. If Overeem fights, you know, kind of at what I'd say is best because there have been so many different variations of Overeem over the years. He poses some very, very real... He asks very, very legitimate questions of Rosenstreich that we have not seen Rosenstreich have to deal with just yet. At the same time, Rosenstreich, good kickboxer, has power, and not a small man... Um, oof. Again, this is a tough one because I can very easily see either man winning. I can see this just being too much on the timetable because Rosenstrike fought not that long ago. Yeah, he fought November 2nd when he when the Arlovsky fight was the 2nd of November. So a little over a month ago. So again, it, it could just be too much too soon. But at the same time, Overeem is, you know, a little chinny and prone to bizarre decision-making. It's a really, really tough fight to kind of predict as far as that goes. I think I'm going to lean towards Rosenstrike. but again, tough, tough fight to predict. All right, our co-main event, and this is where we, again, so many fights on this card have been shifted around. Um... This was supposed to be Cynthia Calvillo and Claudia Gadelia. Gadelia broke her finger and uh, torn ligaments, some kind of hand injury, and has been replaced by Marina Rodriguez. Marina Rodriguez is not nearly the caliber of proven competitor that Gadelia is. Gadelia has fought at a very high level, in fact, the championship level. In fairness to Rodriguez, she is undefeated. Uh, she fought to a draw in her UFC debut, beat Jessica Aguilar, beat Tisha Torres. So she's not, she is not a can brought in. But this is a big step up for Rodriguez. Now, Calvillo, whose only blemish on her record was that just really, really bizarre fight with Carla Esparza, where she clearly won the first round and then proceeded to do everything that she shouldn't do in the next two. But has rebounded since, winning two fights in a row. I, I'm, I'm, into, I'm gonna lean towards Calvillo, but again, Rodriguez is not exactly a scrub. She's a legitimate, she's a legitimate fighter. I'm kind of sad we didn't get the uh, Gadelia fight because Calvillo and Gadelia is a very intriguing matchup in many respects. Again, I'm going to pick Calvillo here, but just because Rodriguez doesn't have the name value doesn't mean she's not a very good fighter. She might surprise people. Alright, we have another... Okay, some of these fights I'm going to double-check the order because again, some of these have been switched around at the last little bit, so I'm going to... so The order might be still somewhat in flux. All right, next up, we have a heavyweight fight between Stefan Struve, who's coming out of retirement for reasons that are unclear. Uh, he just, you know, he uh, just scored a win over Marcos Rogerio de Lima in the second round after getting... Uh, he got smacked around in that first round, man. Um. Again, he... After that fight, he took a bit of a hiatus. But he's, he seems to you know want to continue fighting again, so he's here fighting Ben Rothwell. Rothwell, who just returned from a drug suspension, lost a really uninspired fight against Andre Arlovsky. Oh, no, sorry. The Ivanov fight was his return from suspension. He just lost his last three in a row. Uh, I'm actually going to pick Rothwell here. I... I can't pick Stefan Struve, man. I just, I can't do it. He's too hittable. He's got the same... If you listen to this show years and years ago, we were complaining about the things Stefan Struve needed to fix in his game. There's are still the same number of problems. Uh, not just the same number, but the same problems. Ugh. Can't do it. Can't pick him. Going with Rothwell. All right. We have a women's bantamweight fight between Aspen Ladd and Yana Kunitskaya. Not a bad fight, uh, lad. Trying to rebound from her first loss when she got floored. <laughs> she got floored by Jermaine Duran to me. But Yana Kunitskaya's... is, uh, yeah. She, I mean, she exi- you know she's not bad. She's won her last two fights. I imagine Lad will win this fight uh, again. Yana Kunitskaya is. I don't know. I mean, again, she's certainly capable in many respects, but, you know, it, this is going to be a bit... This is going to be a significantly telling fight, I think, about Aspen Lad, Whether or not she can kind of bounce back from the, the loss to Jermaine Me, And if she's not all the way there, you know, mentally and whatnot, then Kunitskaya has the ability to give her problems. So, again, picking Lad, but... Wouldn't be, eh, I'd say, wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, picking lad, but thinking there are ways for Kunitskaya to win. All right, and I think kicking off the main card, we have a bantamweight fight between Cody Staman and Song Yedong. Uh, this is a good fight. Uh, Staman, I can never remember if he prefers to, if he prefers Staman or Stamen. Anyway, he. Uh, lost the He lost his only step up in competition in the UFC when he got hit with a solo of stretch by Aljamain Sterling. But he rebounded and beat Alejandro Perez earlier this year. Uh, and Song Yudong has been just smashing people in the UFC. Uh, you know, submitted Barat Kandare. TKO'd Felipe Aranches. Scored a very, very obvious decision win over Vince Morales, knocked out Alejandro Perez. Boy, that guy gets around. I'm leaning towards Yadong. He's he's a very, very powerful striker. He's a good counter-wrestler. He's with a... He seems to be the guy that's kind of, you know, really poised to break out, to have a really big year. I mean, I mentioned he's already fought several times for the UFC, but because he debuted in seven in 2017, fought twice in 18. This will be his second fight of 19. He's just kind of chugging along, and I don't mean that in a negative way. He's not re- again. He's a, he's potentially you know, going to kind of break out at some point in the future, but at the moment he just kind of keeps chugging along and gaining momentum, and that's a you know, that's an important thing. And anyway, that is the main card. As for prelims. Uh Rob Font and Ricky Simone is a really good fight. Uh Simone who should have been able to beat Uriah Faber, but just young and still still figuring some things out. I mean he's he's twenty seven. Okay, that's he's not as young as I thought he was. I mean look if if the biggest thing that comes out of that is that you know puts Faber in the Peter Yan fight, and Peter Yan just you know abuses Uri Faber, which is probably what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, and Font again, Simone had a good run going, again kind of derailed by Uriah Faber, you know, exploiting the same holes in Simone's game that have been there for a while. Whereas Font, I think he... Yeah, he beat Sergio Pettis in his last fight, actually, which was a really solid win. He'd been a little bit up and down before that, again. uh, Beat Douglas Silva de Andrade, lost to Pedro Munoz, beat Thomas Almeida, lost to Rafael Asuncao, beat Sergio Pettis. He's looking for his first winning streak uh, in a couple of years. Uh, But that's a good fight. Simone, again, kind of a wild... uh, an aggressive fighters uh font a more technical kind of fluid fighter so there's uh again there's some really interesting potential there. I'm kinda leaning towards font, but he's also again stumbled at times when you kinda think he shouldn't. Alright. Uh next up is a welterweight fight between Tiago Alves and Tim Means. Why is Tiago Alves still fighting in the UFC? I mean, he is, what, two and five in his last seven fights? And he probably should have lost the Max Griffin fight. That was a little bit of a gift decision. Uh, Loreano Staropoli beat him pretty handily. Again, then he had the eh, controversial, at best, gift at worst decision against Max Griffin. Before that, he lost to Alexei Konchenko. Before that, he got stopped by Curtis Millinder. He beat Patrick Cote. Prior to that, he dropped to lightweight, missed weight, and got beaten by Jim Miller, and before that, he got stopped by Carlos Condit. I... I don't know. He, I don't think he should be in the UFC at this point. And Tim Means... I mean, that said, Tim Means is a winnable fight for him. Means isn't exactly on the best streak himself. Uh, he's coming off of that... He got a... He got knocked out by Nico Price in his last fight, and he beat Ricky Rainey before that. Dropped a couple of split decisions. Uh, the Bilal Muhammad one, he pretty, I felt pretty sure that he lost. Uh, the Morais one was a little bit dicier. But Tim Means is a you know a tall, lanky fighter, good in the clinch with elbows, kind of good at making fights ugly. Alves, I mean the book's pretty well written on Alves at this point. Hmm. I'm going to go with Means and just, uh, I'm kind of assuming he's going to recreate some of the Carlos Condit game plan because they're built similarly and have some kind of similar skill sets. Speaking of Condit, he was supposed to be on this card fighting Mickey Gall. Uh, However, he pulled out due to a detached retina, which really sucks. Hope that's not I uh, hope he's able to get that fixed. Uh, so anyway, that fight obviously is off. Um, the next listed fight here is Jacob Kilburn and Billy... Uh, I'm going to destroy this gentleman's last name. Quarantilo. I'm going to go with that. Um, this was supposed to be Quarantilo against Chris Fishgold. Our uh, Fishgold pulled out now it's this one um they're both making their debuts i think quarantillo came off of the contender series uh yeah he's on a five fight winning streak yeah and he's and Kilburn uh has one appearance on the contender series where he lost to Bobby Moffat. that's that said, he is 5-1 and one in his last six, so... Uh, not a fight anyone's going to get excited about on paper, but I don't know. There might be something there. Uh, I'm going to go with Quarantillo, but... A- again, with the, as many unknowns as there are around both guys, you know, who knows? <laughs> um, Bryce Mitchell will fight Matt Sales. I think this is another one that changed. It was supposed to be something else. No? Not really. Huh. Okay. Anyway, Bryce Mitchell can finally come out to uh, wearing camo, apparently, because I think Reebok (laughs) had made some for him. Um, uh, He's 2-0 in the UFC. Uh, Neither have been especially great performances. I, I know that he... Uh, the crowd seemed to kind of get behind some of him on a couple of them um, I thought he was I thought he won the Tyler Diamond fight which he did and he won a majority decision um, the Moffitt fight I don't have any problem scoring the fight for him it was more that there were a couple of just bad decisions some from him some from Moffitt and I, I, I just I haven't really kind of seen it and Matt Sales has gone 1 and 1 in the UFC, beat Kyler excuse me Kyle Nelson in his last fight. Geez, he debuted against Shaman Moraes. That's a tough ask. Isn't, Shaman isn't Shaiman Moraes may not be, you know, like top 5 in the world, but he's a tough out. I'll probably go with Mitchell, but Again, sales could absolutely pull uh the you know the upset there. Uh let's see. We have Matt Wyman why is Matt Wyman fighting again? Oh god. He came back from, you know, his extended retirement slash layoff. I mean like f- what, four and a half years? He was off almost five and just kind of got abused by Luis Pena for three rounds. I mean that was ugh, that was ugly at times. Anyway, he's fighting uh, Joe Selecki and really trying to give Matt Wyman one more win, aren't they? Um, Selecki coming off of the contender series, won his last three fights, and I'm gonna pick Selecki. I just I, I don't think Matt Wyman should be in the UFC. All right, uh, oh, one of these fights, uh, the other fight that kind of got shifted around at the last minute. We were supposed to have Courtney Casey and Virna Jandiroba, excuse me, Hoba. Uh, However, Casey pulled out and was supposed to, and her original replacement was Livia Renata Souza. Souza pulled out, and now we have Mallory Martin against uh, Roba. I think she's Brazilian, so it would be Hoba. Anyway. Uh, Martin, six and two overall, done a lot of fighting and in Invicta. has a win on the contender series. And Jandiroba, she fought in the UFC. Just the once, I think, and that was her Yeah, she lost to Carlos Sparza. Uh we'll go with Jandiroba, but when you again when you get to again people at this level of unknowns, yeah. You know, I can't really recall a Mallory Martin fight so who knows she might have answers for everything that Jandi Roba does and kicking everything off Trevor Smith was supposed to fight uh, Alonzo Menafield. Uh, Menafield got pulled for whatever reason we don't know and Menafield was replaced by uh, Mahmoud Muradov. Uh, Muradov, again, I believe the first Uzbeki fighter in the UFC on a really long winning streak I mean, really long 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 10, yeah, on a 12 fight winning streak had a good showing in his UFC debut when he beat Alessio DiCirico Smith, a much more wrestling forward fighter Uh, not an easy fight I'm actually going to go with Muradov. Uh, Again, I don't have anything against Trevor Smith, but... uh, I don't know. I I think he may have peaked already. He's been really up and down in the UFC. Uh, His UFC record might be... uh, is around the 500 mark. Jeez. Hang on, so... He might might have a losing record. He has five wins, and... Two, three, four. Yeah, and six losses. I'm going to go with Muradov, but again, if Muradov's not ready for as much wrestling as Trevor Smith is going to force, as much cage fighting and that kind of pace, Smith can absolutely win this fight. That's a very, very winnable fight for him if Muradov is not prepared. All right, that is the event as it currently stands. And as many fights as have had to be shifted around, hopefully we've seen all that we're going to see for that, for this card. This Saturday I will have coverage in the MMA Zona 411mania.com, so please stop by, say hello. If you haven't reached out to give me your thoughts on the, uh, on the other podcast I did on Volkanovski, you can always stop by the comment section of an event I am covering and leave your thoughts there. I do try to be active in the comment section. I stop by between fights uh, whenever I get bored, (laughs) whenever there's a long. uh, which, over the course of an entire UFC broadcast, uh, is not at all uncommon for me to stop by, interact with you guys a little bit, so feel free to do so there, I guess. Uh, Alrighty. Yeah, that's it for that event. You know, not a bad card on paper. There's some good, again, the main event, not a bad heavyweight fight. Uh, Yadong and and Stamen, good fight. Font and Simone's a good fight. It's it's a solid card, actually, on paper. Uh, Nothing too crazy, nothing too out of the ordinary, but I can very easily see the potential for this particular event. All right, moving on. A lot of fights announced over the last week. Let's start with the big one. The UFC announced that Tony Ferguson and UFC lightweight champion Khabib Nurmagomedov have signed for a bout in April. Uh, This would be the event that is to be held at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, the borough of New York City. This is the fifth time we have officially signed this fight. And... You know what? I'm not going to talk about this fight again. Because... Not because I don't want to see it. This has been... I've said this for a couple of years at this point. I think this is the best fight you can make in the entirety of MMA. I do not think there is a better fight in the sport to be made right now than Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov. That's it. That's the pinnacle of the sport right now, on paper. The fight itself might wind up playing out very, very differently. We are always with that caveat. But that is the best fight. That is the most interesting fight. It is the two best in the best division. I mean, those two guys have absurd winning streaks going on. This is a fight that... This has been mentioned before. There's not too many times... That a fight like this gets made, falls apart, gets made, falls apart, gets made, falls apart, gets made, falls apart. But each time they try to make it again, it means more. Because the first time they tried to make this fight, neither guy was anywhere near the position they are now. So they it falls apart, they both keep winning, they try to make it again, They falls apart, they both keep winning, falls apart... They both keep winning. Gets made, falls apart. They both keep winning. Gets made, falls apart. Khabib becomes champion. They both keep winning. And, I mean, I don't want to say it's completely unprecedented, but man, is that a rarity. Most of the time, anytime a fight that people try to make this many times falls apart this many times, there's some kind of monkey wrench. You know, there's a loss thrown in that everyone just kind of agrees to look the other way on. There's there's always something that you know, uh, you know given how long you know, how long it took uh, you know, Pacquiao and Mayweather to get together. You know, in that time, the people were kind of talking about how that fight should be made. You know, Pacquiao got flatlined by Marquez like that. That's a thing that happened. Uh, you know, people looking at you know, making the rematch between Fury and Wilder in the boxing world. Fury gets his face cut open and Deontay Wilder then sub, you know, turns in one of the worst fights of his entire career. I mean, he still won, but you know the, the Ortiz rematch, which took place last week, he knocked him out. But look at the fight up until he lands that punch and it's not good. Even by Wilder standards, and I say that just because Deontay Wilder is not a very good boxer, Deontay Wilder always comes to fight in shape, and Deontay Wilder has the kind of punching power that can stop a charging moose. But again, okay, I mean, like by his own admission, he's not a a scientific boxer. He Has a couple of tricks, a couple of traps that he kind of uses to set up, and he has enough power to stop just about anybody on the planet, except for Tyson Fury, apparently, who got clobbered and just got back up. But, again, there's, again, they're trying to make that fight, and there's wrinkles that very nearly got in the way of that fight happening. Given the number of years that this fight, Ferguson and Dermagomedov, has been set up, and set up, and set up, and set up, there is no... There is nothing to detract from it. There's been no... There's no blemish. They both continue to win. They both continue to do the things you know they excel at. And it just has added to the intrigue. I... Again, this has been my most anticipated fight for years now. I'm glad they signed it. I hope it holds together. Which might be stupid on my part because at this point four previous times I've been excited and it's fallen apart. But, uh... I'm just... I'm gonna choose to be excited. (laughs) And just temper that up until they actually get in the cage. But really, really glad this fight is made. Uh, Again the best fight you can make in the sport right now. Uh, I I genuinely can't think of another fight I would rather see made than that fight. In the entirety of the sport of mixed martial arts. It's that... This is that fight. Please, hold together this time. Just hold together. Alright, also, this last week... Conor McGregor has signed, and they announced that Conor McGregor's return to the UFC will take place at UFC 246. He will be in the main event. At uh, this will be at welterweight against Donald Cowboy Cerrone. If you've listened to the show for a while, I've lobbied, so has Jeff. We've both believed that this is the correct fight to make. It's a big payday for both guys, for Cerrone in particular, relative to what he normally makes. It's a high-profile fight for both guys. Cerrone's style will accommodate McGregor. It's winnable for both guys. I lean towards Conor, actually. I know Cerrone opened as the betting favorite, but uh, you guys might want to rethink that a little bit. (laughs) Look historically at how Cerrone does in high-pressure situations against trash-talking opponents who have a pressure-based style. That's a really bad combination for Cerrone. But they've they've tried to make that fight a couple of times. It's fallen through due to injury or negotiation tactics or any number of other circumstances. Um, again, it's I think it's the right fight for both guys. I'm a little surprised they're doing it at welterweight, but if Connor's kind of out of the title picture for a bit... I know he's kind of said, I want to fight three times this year and I want the last one to be against Khabib in Moscow... No, you don't. You might want to get back to a Khabib fight, but you don't want to go to Moscow and have that fight, buddy. You really don't. Um, again, the fact that it's at welterweight does, isn't really going to push him along in the lightweight contender queue. And unf- I mean, the big... Connor's star power is enough to circumvent the meritorious claim of other fighters. because after Tony and Khabib the next deserving contender at lightweight is Justin Gagey right now you know weird to think about lightweight actually now that I I gotta bring up the rankings for a sec just because Khabib has between Khabib and Tony they've beaten a lot of the top of that division um, okay, yeah, we have Khabib and Tony at champion at number one. Dustin Poirier at number two. Shouldn't be there after he got beat by Khabib as thoroughly as he did. For some reason, Conor's at number three. That's ridiculous. Justin Gagey should be at number three, and he just knocked out Donald Cerrone, who's number five. I don't think Cerrone should be five. Felder at six, and Dan Hooker at seven. Again, bump those guys up a couple of... Sl- bump those guys up a couple of spots numerically because, again, uh, Cerrone and McGregor should not occupy the positions they do. You could even argue Poirier shouldn't be in the specific position he's in. But, I mean, that's... Uh, I'm, I'm not arguing, you know, Poirier being an elite level lightweight. He very, very clearly is. But if we're talking about the contendership queue, uh, he shouldn't be that high. So, you know, I think Gagey should be the next guy after Tony. Or, But, and this is a fair point that's been made a few, point, a few different times around the MMA circles, if Tony wins, unless it is completely emphatic, they're going to do that rematch. And in all fairness, I'm okay with that. Even if it is somewhat emphatic, they might try to do the rematch. But Gagey should be next. And now, again, Connor beating Cerrone, but doing it at welterweight. Again, I don't think it should move him that far ahead in the lightweight contender queue. But you have... uh, We'll get into this a little bit later, actually. Felder and Hooker have signed. Kevin Lee just came back. Iaquinta has peaked and is now falling. Uh, It's an odd division. Lightweight's an odd division because it is insanely stacked. Like, the talent in that division, if you looked up the 100 or so guys in at lightweight in the UFC, if you exclude, say, the top five guys at lightweight, so if you take out Khabib, Tony, Gagey, and Poirier, if you take them or so out of the equation, everyone else in that division against pretty much everyone else is... There's a lot of upsets there if you look at it numerically. That is Again, that is an obscenely stacked division. But there's also not a tremendous amount of top-end turnover just yet. And I something to pay attention to, I imagine, going forward. But anyway, Gagey should be next. But if if McGregor beats Cerrone at welterweight, I still think he needs to win a fight at lightweight before you could put him in the title picture. And I, I. I mean, we saw Connor and Khabib fight. It was lopsided. The rematch would be lopsided. Connor and Tony. I mean, is there anybody outside of the cult of Connor who's going to pick Connor to beat Tony Ferguson? I mean, let me be clear. That doesn't mean Connor is incapable of winning that fight. But if that fight goes longer than three minutes, I mean what are you going to do at that point if you're connor if you if you don't get to if you don't walk tony onto something in those first 3 minutes his pace is going to murder you and and tony's got a chin on him man i mean he's been dropped several i mean he's been dropped several times Anthony Pettis hit him so hard he broke his own hand and clobbered him to the ground. Lando Venata kicked him in the face. Like, that man has been hit very hard. And he has never been really put out. So, I, I, again, I frankly, honestly, I find Gagey versus either of them more compelling than McGregor versus either of them, but I am I do not represent the largest portion of the MMA fan base on that particular issue, and I am aware of that fact. But you're listening to this show, so I get to talk about my perspective on things. Alright, um also of note, relating to McGregor, this fight was announced round about the same time it became public that there is a second separate allegation of sexual assault against Connor that is being investigated. Uh, again, this is not the same one that he's already, to the best of my knowledge still, again, like he's still being investigated now, I am, I said this before I, look, again, I am not a fanboy of McGregor I have pissed off the cult of Connor several times that said, while I may not be a fan of Connor I am a fan of due process and I am if again if he is guilty of these things I think he should be in jail or worse. I I have an incredibly dim view of sexual assault. It is one of the worst things one human being can do to another. And So but again I, I I'm also going to kind of err on the side of let the You know, let the investigative personnel do their job. I'm going to... I'm not going to inject the level of paranoia that they're all being bought off and that Connors, you know, doing all these terrible things and just throwing money at the problem. I'm not going to say that. I'm certainly not naive enough to believe that never happens. But... While Connor has a fair amount of money, he's all... If you look at the people who can do that and get away with it, it's not just money. It's influence. And a lot of it is low visibility. Uh, It's kind of that weird confluence of money, influence, and low public profile. Connor has a lot of money, but he has a very, very high public profile, which provides a lot of scrutiny if you're investigating him and kind of removes some of the barriers. Again, it, it, it removes some of the Shadows that a lot of those kind of deals operate in. Again, if he's guilty of these, I hope he rots in jail. If he's not, I hope they find whoever committed the crimes in question. If there were no crimes, I hope the people falsely accusing him uh, suffer the appropriate consequences. I, I. I and again, I'm not saying which of those things is happening, because I don't know. I have nowhere near enough information to comment on those in any kind of capacity like that, other than to state my generalized hope for how the world works and how I want it to work, and that's yeah, that's what I'm trying to project out at this point, if nothing else. But not a lot of people talking about that second allegation being levied against him. Uh, it's an important note this is a again this is a second separate one and it's serious enough that he, that they're again they're taking the accusation seriously enough to investigate. So again I I hope the guilty party suffers. That's really all I can hope for. All right, also this week UFC 247 got a main event, and kind of got fleshed out a little bit. The main event will be a light heavyweight title fight. Uh, John Jones and Dominic Reyes have both signed for this particular bout. Um, Good. Dominic Reyes is the next contender. He's the next deserving guy. He's the one with the streak and the profile and the interest, and he's just the next guy up. Um, I favor John because I... John Jones has never legitimately lost a fight. Like <laughs> I can't pick against him. Even if his last couple of fights have been less than engaging from a fan perspective and very dicey from a technical perspective. Like he there if they had given the if two judges had scored the fight between him and Thiago Santos for Santos. I might have disagreed, but and there might be plenty of people who would disagree, but there's no case to get up in arms about it. There's not really a case to get up in arms over... You know, there's not a case for it to be up in arms over Santos losing, either. Like, it was just one of those fights. And you know, the Smith... The Anthony Smith fight was... lopsided for John in many respects, but also featured him nearly getting himself disqualified and so Reyes represents a very different level of danger to Jones in many respects than either of those two do. I mean and they represent different dangers than each other does as well. So it's a good fight. Happy to see the you know the division just kind of keep turning. And I will say this, if you see this John Jones fighting somebody who you who, yeah, and you, your immediate instinct is just, well, John's going to walk through him. I'd pay more attention to what Dominic Reyes has done. Again, I'm picking Jones still, but Reyes is... is legit. That's the best way I can say that. know, uh, anyway, that same event, you have a co-main event, the women's flyweight title fight between champion Valentina Shevchenko and Caitlin Chukagian. Ugh. Look, I... I get that this is the next fight, but ugh. I, How do I say L- look, Valentina smashed two women who were vastly inferior fighters. She just kind of abused Priscilla Kashuea in a fight that went on way too long because the referee wasn't going to stop it for whatever. Mario Yamasaki wanted bl- wanted someone to die. Like <laughs> that's the only explanation I have for that. She beats Joanna Yin pretty convincingly in a five round fight, head kicks Jessica I into oblivion, and that that streak of fights got a lot of people hmm, not only really kinda hyped about her as a fighter, but gave the wrong impression about what she does. I mean, watch the check fight. That's a very accurate representation of who she is as a fighter, for better and for worse. The I fight, she's just, again, Jessica I was so catastrophically overmatched. Like, I mean, ridiculously overmatched. Her big run-up to her title shot featured, like, three split decisions, two of which I thought she lost. And she gets in there with Valentina and gets blown out of the water. I mean that in fairness, beautiful head kick by Shevchenko. Then Shevchenko fights Liz Carmouche in one of the most uneventful boring fights you will ever see. Shev Carmouche uh, spends the majority of that fight shadow boxing about 4 to 6 inches short of her intended target. And Shevchenko is happy to let her waste her energy, land a few counters, get a takedown, and clearly win every round. I mean, there was one... uh, I took issue with the scoring of one of those rounds because Shevchenko should have had it 10-8. Because there was one round where Liz Carmouche landed zero strikes of any variety. And she got taken down and hit several... Like, With the scoring criteria being what it is, if you land nothing, and your opponent land and your opponent takes you down and lands, again, we're not talking, you know, a hundred strikes. But Shevchenko took her down, controlled her, and landed several relevant strikes. If you do literally nothing within the scoring criteria for a full five minutes, I'm sorry, that should be a 10-8. But again, very, very dull fight. Now... The reason I bring that fight up is Caitlyn Chukagian's general fighting style is to shadow box about three inches away from her opponent. Just falling short with almost everything and key eyeing If you want to know what that fight's going to look like, it's going to look more like the Carmouche fight than the Eye fight. Unless Chukagian just ramps up her aggression, in which case she's going to run into stuff. Which is what Valentino wants you to do to begin with. Anyway. So. Uh. Decent co main event to kind of because if if Jukagian fights stupid and sloppy and gets finished, then hey, it's a nice addition to the card. If it's what I think a lot of us fear it will be, then hey, we've at least still got John Jones and Dominic Reyes to look forward to. Okay, next up Uh, the UFC is back in Auckland, New Zealand, and they have a main event for that particular card. New Zealand native Dan Hooker will fight Paul Felder. This is a great fight. Um, Hooker actually a while ago called out Felder when Felder was doing a post-fight interview with him. And he was very respectful about it. He just said, you know, I've, I've been looking to fight up. I've been looking to find a ranked opponent. And I know you don't have a fight lined up yet. And if you're amenable, I would love to fight you. And Felder said he was amenable. It just For whatever reason, it didn't come together at that point in time. It is coming together now uh, for a main event for, you know, I mean, that's like the number six and number seven lightweight in the world right now, I think officially. And again, they probably should be higher. And that is your main event for a New Zealand card. That's a really good main event. I actually like Hooker in that fight. Paul Felder's a good fighter. But he also seems to make... I'll say this. There are certain fights that he makes more difficult on himself than they need to be. And Dan... He also doesn't fight the kind of fight that has given Hooker trouble. Uh, again, I, I like Hooker in that fight, but that's a really good fight. So, good main event for that card. Hopefully... Curious how the rest of it will shape up, but... Hooker and Felder is... I mean, the rest of that fight card might be meh, but if I've got that to look forward to, I'll sit through a lot of crap. I am—I know I'm setting myself up for a crappy, crappy card, and I admit that. But eh, I don't care. It's a good fight. I don't know what else to say about it. All right, news from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, ben Askren announced his retirement from MMA. Follow. This was in the wake of his loss to Damien Maya. And also mentioned that he uh, one of the things that uh, kind of got him to that to the point of retirement was he got an mri and apparently he's uh needed a hip replacement for a while uh ben askren is in his 30s there must have been some injury that went just undiagnosed for a long time because even in even in wrestling circles where you know there's a lot of injuries and a lot of stuff like that, needing a full-on hip replacement before you're 40. Um, yeah, that that's a rarity. Now, to Askren's credit, he never he didn't say that's why he lost any of the fights that he lost. But it, it is something that it, it is one of the reasons he's less likely to make a return at some point. Um, you know, Askren. It sucks that he had he came into the UFC under the circumstances that he did. Which I by which I mean he came into the UFC past his prime, his physical prime. And after being out of being, you know, out of competition for a couple of years. Those were the conditions when he debuted and he debuted against Robbie freaking Lawler and won. Controversially sure, but he won and yeah it's he's just a i don't know i mean he's so hard to kind of categorize because he made a lot of money fighting in one but he was not facing you know the cream of the crop it's a shame that he didn't get into the UFC in the prime of his career in his physical prime and as and if you Here's a good example. You know somebody else who was a champion in a in another organization, came into the UFC and promptly went one and two, winning their first fight and losing their next two? Justin Gagey. Gagey was undefeated, came into the UFC, former champion in the World Series of Fighting slash PFL. Debut fight. Uh, very, very... His fight with Michael Johnson's wild. And Askren versus Lawler was wild. Gagey wins. Goes on to lose his next two. High-profile fights. I mean, he lost to Eddie Alvarez in a great fight. But loses, high-profile. Next fights, Dustin Poirier, main event. Main event fight. Uh, Again, has a good showing. Loses. Gets stopped in, I think, the fourth round. And is able to rebound in no small part because you know, Justin Gagey is younger and has the athletic ability and the coaching ability to refine and retool elements of his style and you know, look what he did since went on a good run is now you know, taking Tony if you take Tony out of the contender pool because he is currently signed to fight the champion Gagey should be the next guy up. And for a guy who started again one and two, he turned it he was able to turn it around. Ben Askren, undefeated, comes into the UFC. High profile first fight. Wins. Loses his next fight. Loses his next two and retires. And because and this is not to say he is somehow a lesser fighter than Justin Gagey. He's older and he's been dealing with a apparently a significant injury. That and a hip replacement's not a joke, especially if you're trying to be in a competitive sport. Like how many how many top shelf athletes do you know out there competing with artificial hips? Anybody? I mean, I know there's a few professional wrestlers that do. But if you ask me, you know, name one professional sporting athlete who's actively competing with after hip replacement surgery. I can't. I'm not saying there's nobody. There might be some people out there, but I can't think of any. So, again, it sucks we didn't get the best of Askren, but what we did get was pretty darn good. Uh, you know, again, the fight with Lawler, wild fight. Uh, he... Unintentionally, was the springboard for Jorge Mosfidal to reach the level of stardom that he currently has. And, you know, his fight with Damian Maya was really fun. When they were on the feet striking, it was kind of your your typical, like, uh, you know, sloppy barroom kind of. I mean, I, you, the jokes about K1 Damian Maya. But on the feet, they. They threw down to the extent that they were able, and they had some really fun grappling exchanges between the two of them. Like yeah, you know, for a guy who only had three fights in the UFC, Askren kind of made as much of it as he was going to. And I'm glad we got him in the UFC. If he had never fought in the biggest promotion, it would have been not quite as a, not quite as you know big of a loss as Fedor never fighting in the UFC. But it's it would have been a pretty big deal and a pretty big loss, all things considered. So, I again, I wish Askren the best going forward. Uh, I, I don't have any hard feelings towards the guy for any reason. But, again, that was... Uh, that came out. All right, let's see what else. A couple of quick things here. Um, Kyoji Horiguchi had to vacate the Bellator Bantamweight Championship over the last week. He suffered a knee injury and just wouldn't be able to wouldn't be able to defend it in a realistic time frame. Um, This really sucks for Horiguchi. Um, Horiguchi had I think it was uh, in both 2017 and 2018 he had big years. I mean, he was one of the forgotten fighters of 17, but in 2017 he went he went 5-0. Uh, that included winning the Ryzen Grand Prix at ba- the Bantamweight Grand Prix. In 18, he knocks out Ian McCall, beats someone who I've never heard of before, submits Darian Caldwell in a fairly significant upset for the first ba- uh, Ryzen Bantamweight Championship knocks out Ben Wynn, goes to Bellator, and beats Caldwell again for the Bellator... uh, That was 19... Sorry, the last two were 19. The Wynn and Caldwell fights were this year. I mean, that... Because all of it's taking place in Japan and Bellator, which, I mean, I'm paying more attention to Japan than I do to Bellator. He was flying under a lot of radars, but that... He was a champion of two different promotions. I mean... Realistically, 10 pounds heavier than he should be competing. And then the last half of 2019 has been brutal to him. He fought uh, Kai Osakura and got knocked out in the first round. And I, I will credit uh, Grabaka Hitman for kind of cueing the world into uh, the Osakura brothers, who are kind of the Japanese equivalent of the Diaz brothers. <laughs> But he has that fight, loses, uh, was expected to defend the... That was a non-title fight, actually. Was expected to put the belt on the line against Osakor in a rematch. Um, unfortunately, the knee injury that... Uh, again, he suffers the knee injury. He has to drop both the Ryzen title and the Bellator title. Uh, and uh, just yeah, he wouldn't be able... Uh, the con, uh, the nature of him fighting for both promotions, Horiguchi was obligated to defend the Bellator title once a year. Uh, this would be once every 12, not calendar year, but like once every 12 months. Because he won in June of this year. With the injury occurring in November, he would not be in a position to defend the belt by one year from when he won it, so the, by June of 2020. And had to relinquish it. So a really, really rough, like just five to six months for Kyoji Horiguchi, uh, which really sucks because Horiguchi's awesome. He should not have been let go by the UFC when he was. I mean, his only loss in the UFC was to Demetrius Johnson. It's a, There are two... You know, when DJ left the UFC... Uh, there were only two fights I really kind of wanted to see him undergo at flyweight. Uh, you know, a rubber match with Cejudo, because I thought he won uh, the second fight with Cejudo. And I really wanted to, and again, this one, this next one uh, couldn't happen because he wasn't with the promotion anymore. But I wanted a rematch with Horaguchi and Demetrius. like that, That's the rematch I wanted to see. And it doesn't look like we're ever going to get it, which really sucks. But hopefully Horiguchi's able to bounce back because, again, he's... I know a lot of people don't go out of their way to find his fights, but Horiguchi's an awesome fighter. He really is. And I hope he gets back to it in well, as soon as he can because that, that really sucks. Okay. Um, all right, I suppose I should mention this. Floyd Mayweather... Announced he is coming out of retirement, and there seems to be hints of... I think we talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, Floyd Mayweather coming out of retirement. Indicates that he's going to do something with the UFC in 2020. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going to come of this. Look, if Floyd wants to come back and make more money boxing, I don't begrudge him that. But I think they kind of made noise about him wanting, you know, uh, another fight with Manny Pacquiao, which would be a big fight numbers-wise. I'm not sure who I would favor this time around. Again, Floyd being off for as long as he has, getting as old as he has, and Manny Pacquiao... Enjoying a bit of a career renaissance, quite frankly, over the last little bit. Um, I mean, again, the fight would still draw money. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, UFC guys who said, "Hey, I'd love to, I'd love to box." Why is the, this is the thing recently with MMA fighters wanting to, you know, get into boxing? And I said, I mean, look, I said a couple of weeks ago, I know that there's more money at the top end in boxing. There just is. Um, like, Deontay Wilder, he made $20 million, guaranteed $20 million, for that fight with Ortiz, the, the rematch with Ortiz. Um, Canelo was guaranteed, like, $26 million, I think, for his, the fight that aired, uh, his fight with Kovalev. You know, that same night, you know, Jorge Masvidal, Beats Nate, uh, beats Nate Diaz in a fight that's probably bigger. I mean, it was certainly bigger by most metrics. They delayed the start of Canelo and Kovalev by 90 minutes so they wouldn't conflict with Masvidal and Diaz. Jorge Masvidal made $500,000, which is a lot of money. Like, I'm, I am not saying that's chump change. But for that fight, with that hype, at that position, biggest event of the year... He makes five hundred thousand. Canelo makes twenty-six million. There is more money in boxing. The reality is, most fighters know this, and if they could box at the highest level, they would be boxing rather than fighting for the UFC. Uh, thankfully, most of the most of the world seems to have caught on a little bit to this con job. Canelo has no, like, Canelo's, no, I'm not going to fight Mossford all. There's no point. Um, you know, again, Rampage, Kind of, I think it was Rampage who said he'd like to box Deontay Wilder. Like, shut up. Uh, I mean, Tyson Fury made some waves over the last couple of weeks. Uh, some videos of him training with Darren Till. Um, Tyson Fury's never going to fight in the UFC. All right, let's, can we stop with this, please? You know how much money Tyson Fury makes boxing? You know how much money the UFC would pay him? The UFC would not give him what he is worth to the boxing... Say he makes, you know, $20 million to fight. Which doesn't seem out of order. I'd have to double-check his purses for the last few fights. But million dollars plus. There's no way the UFC is going to match what he makes in a boxing ring. They're just not going to do it. It's not that they are incapable but they're not going to set that precedent. They're not going to give him $5 million to to fight in an MMA cage while the actual best MMA fighters in the world get a fraction of that. They're just not going to do it. It's one of the interesting things about the whole Zufa boxing uh, deal because if the UFC actually wants to get into promoting boxing like that and they want to have top boxers... They're going to have to pay them. Again, Deontay Wilder just made twenty million dollars, Guar- and that was guaranteed money for him. Canelo gets twenty some odd million a fight. Uh, Anthony Joshua, multiple millions of dollars a fight. Tyson Fury, multiple millions of dollars a fight. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure what Lomachenko makes, but he's not. He is. He makes a lot of money, too. Like The UFC, if they want to do a Zufa boxing thing, they're going to have to pay boxers, especially top-end boxers, like top-end boxers. And you've got a lot of MMA fighters who are going to look at some of those checks being cashed and go, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, so it, it's something to kind of... I I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I doubt we're get, we're not going to see Floyd in an MMA cage. The UFC is not going to pay him. <laughs> they're not they're not going to pay him what he's worth. But he's pr- he might take on some kind of an ambassador role for Zuffa Boxing if they go that way. Uh, there's again, there's a few different things they can do. But uh, so again, Mayweather making some waves. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I know some people kind of said, hey, they could do the McGregor rematch. Um, I think that's a sheep you only get to shear once. Um, Because I don't know how many of you might have rose-colored glasses about that fight. But, uh, you know, Conor wins a couple of rounds, sort of, and then just falls apart. And that's Floyd not even fighting like Floyd, you know? (laughs) Floyd fought so out of character in that fight. I mean, if you listen to people talking about Floyd for that fight, he didn't even train all that much for it. Like, it was... It was just... It was a non-entity. As far as Floyd's, like, physical conditioning goes, he didn't need to train to fight Conor in a boxing ring the same way he trained to fight Pacquiao. You just don't. McGregor doesn't represent that level of threat. So... Again, Floyd coming out of retirement. Eh, we'll see what comes of it if anything. And I think that's everything I had. So let me refresh Twitter, see if anything crazy happened. And No, I I don't think anything crazy has broken over the last hour or so. It's been recording this. Alright, uh, let me get into my plugs then. Right for plugs. Uh, let's see. Okay, this coming Tuesday on Damn You Hollywood, uh, Mark Ratelich, I believe Alexis Haina, and I will be reviewing Ryan Johnson's new movie, Knives Out, which I've heard nothing but good things about thus far. I have not looked at too many reviews, I've not looked at spoilers because normally I don't care about spoilers. Uh, Because I tend to think a spoiler will only... Uh, They don't ruin the movie-going experience for me more often than not. We're talking, however, about a whodunit style of story. And consequently, the mystery is the driving force behind (laughs) the narrative. And Again, one of those instances that I do think, you know, knowing the knowing the ex- knowing the story beforehand would detract from the movie-going experience. So I I've gone out of my way not to look at a whole lot of stuff, but I am looking forward to the movie. So um, this Tuesday you can hear our review of that should be something. Saturday the uh, again the UFC on ESPN card. I think Mark and I will also be doing um, watch-along alternate commentary for the main card portion of that event, so listen to that after the fact if you're so inclined. You can hear me talk about stuff in real time <laughs> to the extent that I'm capable of doing so while, actually, while doing coverage. Uh, I haven't fallen apart doing it, doing both of those at the same time just yet, so I'm going to uh, continue doing it on the occasion that it's called for. And be sure to check out all of Jeff's stuff again. A lot of movie reviews that came out that he's he's had come out over the last little bit. And be back here next week when we preview, we'll review UFC on ESPN 7 and we'll preview the last pay-per-view card of the year, the big one. Uh, UFC 245. Three title fights and senior abuse. Uh, I'm going to keep making that joke about Peter Yan and Uriah Faber just being senior abuse because it amuses me. Also, the bantamweight debut of Jose Aldo as he fights Marlon Moraes. I mean, in all seriousness, this main card, man. You can't get much better than this main card. Main event, Kamara Usman and Colby Covington for the welterweight title. Now again, how the fight's going to play out in practice, I'm, al- I'm allowing for the fact that both guys have the possibility of being less than engaging on occasion. But you get a lot of heat on that fight. Co-main event, Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky. That is such a good fight. That is an exceptional fight. I have some tape study to do before next week's show. I really want to try and get a handle on that. I am so pumped for that fight. Amanda Nunes versus Jermaine Durandomy, women's bantamweight title fight. Okay, if you're not in love with that fight, fair enough. That said, Jermaine Durandamy poses some legitimate... It, put it this way. If Amanda Nunes decides she's just going to do nothing but strike with Durandamy, that might go badly for her. If she does what they did—the she did the first time they fought, get her to the ground and pound her out there, it, again, Nunes is the much more versatile fighter. But if she's kind of fallen in love with her striking game... And not to say she's incapable of winning a straight striking battle with Durandami, but her odds of winning go down uh, in that scenario. Then you have Morais and Aldo. Curious how Aldo looks at Bantamweight. uh, How Morais will look after the fight with Cejudo. Great fight. And then Jan and Faber. And if you can't be... I don't know... uh, If you're not excited to watch Peter Jan fight, I don't know what to tell you. The man is awesome. He is just an awesome fighter to watch work. On that, on that big winning streak, uh, undefeated in the UFC, coming off the—I uh, mean, geez, this year he's beat John Dodson decisively, beat Jimmy Rivera. Like the man is just so much fun. That is that is about as good a main card as you're going to find anywhere. The prelims aren't all that awful, either. Jeff Neal and Mike Perry will probably be fun. Okay, and Tellin' Vierha's back. Good for her. And Aldana, Matt Brown, and Ben Saunders. Somebody's gonna go to sleep. That's how those two fight. Uh, Okay, when you get all the way down to the fight pass prelims, things get a little bit iffier. Um that said, Brandon Moreno and Kai Carter France is pretty good. <laughs> Jessica Eyes fighting on the fight. Band. <laughs> Earlier this year, fights for the title immediately after this is how the UFC treats flyweights, be they male or female. Oh, you just fought for the title and lost. Uh guess what? Now you get to fight uh now you get to curtain jerk, basically. Um Oh, that's hilarious. I have to laugh otherwise I just I'd break down in indignation over it but uh I also don't enjoy Jessica Eyes fights so I don't care that she's curtain jerking now All right that's going to do it for us here at the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast everybody however you have found the show uh Transistor Stitcher uh Google Podcasts, I think, has replaced iTunes. Or Google Play. Um, iHeartRadio. There's a lot of different options. However you found us. YouTube, the 411mania.com website. Thank you for listening. Deeply, deeply appreciated. Uh, We'll be back next week. Again, hopefully Jeff will be back with us. Until then... Thank you again, stay safe out there, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.